365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. Did you know that you can create personalised bets with Bet365? Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and also the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please, and please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on League Cup finalists, Aston Villa Football Club, every single week. As always, Greg's with me. I'm feeling the effects a little bit of last night. I don't know how you're feeling, but I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm elated, but I'm shattered. I am very tired, tired, jaded. Um, probably how the players feel, actually, because yeah. they put in a hell of an effort as well. But yeah, look, it's great when, when Villa are winning. You know, you're happy to be writing and talking about it. Yeah, un- unbelievable scene. A real great night under the lights. I'm pretty sure that's all anyone will care about this week, but as ever, plenty coming up. Villa are at Wembley again. We review last night's dramatic semi-final. Big game on Saturday too, a look to Bournemouth away. Deadline day is approaching, will Villa be busy? And as always, we finish with the Villa Vault. So Greg, League Cup's always like a, a trophy that I've felt, I've felt quite an affiliation to, a bit, bit more than the FA Cup for me, because when I was growing up, Villa obviously won the League Cup a, a couple of times, and I just thought, ah, oh, this is what it must be like every few years, being a Villa fan, and obviously it hasn't been ever since then. We haven't won anything since 96, but a really special night last night. Brilliant, and uh, it just seems to be that Villa have got this hold over opponents in semi-finals, haven't they? Yeah, they're yeah. Just, they're just brilliant in semi-finals. Always seem to get the job done. Um, there was an incredible stat going round that Villa were playing their thirteenth semi-final in the League Cup um, at Villa Park, and they'd won all thirteen after after last night. So brilliant, yeah, brilliant result. Um, and and on back onto Wembley now for, for you know for Jack Grealish, for example, that's that'll be his fifth Wembley appearance yeah. for Villa. It's quite quite incredible, really. Um, and you know we'll talk about Grealish later. I presume it was it was fantastic again on the night, but just just a brilliant night. You know, really good, really really um, really proud and privileged to be to be involved in a night like that and report on the club. It was uh, it was great. That semi final stat there. Do you think that that shows how much of an effect the, the crowd can have? Because obviously the players have to play well. That, that that's a given. But it is a special place for for semi finals. The, the, the Villa Park. It, it was just oh, it was a magical evening. Yeah, it is, yeah. And I mean, I think Villa Park is one of the, you know, traditional old grounds, isn't it? The fact that when you hear former players um, from other clubs talking about it and how much they used to like going there for FA Cup semi-finals, I think that's a real sign of how, you know, how much of a fantastic stadium it is. It's probably easy for us to say that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because we're there every week and, we, you know, we hear it in its full voice. Um, and, you know, we, we know every, you know, nook and cranny of the place, but... It's it, it is a special place, and um, the big games that I've been to at, at Villa Park, you know, Villa have tended to turn up and and do the, get the job done. They did again last night; it was brilliant. Um, and uh, you know, they, they finally ended the the Wembley hoodoo, didn't they, in the playoff final last yeah. last last year? So let's hope that that will stand them in good stead. Yeah, obviously at the, at the point of recording, we, we we don't know who Villa will be playing in the final. But just talk to me a little bit about how you were feeling pre-match because I've got to say I was I was quietly confident. I thought it might go to pens if I'm being honest. I thought it might be another one-one, but I couldn't see us losing in open play, which is a bit bit of a weird feeling. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I I was feeling quite optimistic and quite positive. I, I actually thought Villa would get the job done. Um, 
I was talking to a few guys sitting around me. I thought Samata would score and he had that brilliant chance. And I was yeah. like, there we go, he's going to get it. But he just, he just just evaded him, just got his feet mixed up, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I just thought with Leicester on a bit of a slide, you know, losing against Burnley um, and then one of the other teams in the Premier League, I just thought that they were there for the taking. I, I did a couple of interviews um, with, with various radio and TV stations in Leicester and, and I was saying the same, you know, I'd spoken to Dean Smith on Monday, spoken to some of the players leading up to the game and they were all positive and, yeah. and, and really felt like Leicester were there for the taking. Um, and... It was just an impressive performance from Villa as well, wasn't it? I just thought that the first leg, they were very, um, not negative, they just sort of tried to nullify Leicester and, and just, just take it back to the second leg. We definitely part of the bus, didn't we, in that first leg? Yeah, I mean, it was the game plan, I suppose. It was, you know, it was it was do not lose this tie, be in there, be let's try and get it even, Stephen, going back to Villa Park and then go from there. And it showed that that's 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 what they needed. Yeah, I mean, I read, you, I read your piece this morning, across the two legs... Villa's game plan was actually executed perfectly. I don't think we could have asked for it for a better game plan and if everything that Villa have tried has come off there. Could you talk to me about that fast start that, that you wrote about in your piece? Yeah, so it's it's obvious, isn't it, really, when, you, when you're playing at home that you want to work with the atmosphere, work with the crowd, get the, you know, get the crowd right behind you. Villa knew that a full sellout, a sellout crowd at Villa Park would be right behind them early on. Um, the, fact that, the fact that Leicester decided to... to they they won the toss and allowed Villa to, um, or they actually changed, didn't they? They they, yeah. they 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 let Villa attack the whole ten first rather than the north stand, which they were originally planning to do. That actually worked in their favour because they wanted this blistering start. You know, they wanted to go out all guns blazing in the first twenty minutes, get a goal. It didn't quite work out that way for them. Villa actually struggled in the first ten minutes and had Orja Nyland to yeah. to thank for three brilliant or three very important. Um, saves, but they got that. They they just felt that they felt that that uh, down the left hand side, they could um, expose Ricardo Pereira because they felt that with Grealish cutting in from the left, he would um, uh, Pereira will be pulled out of position, and that would allow Matt Target, a player who is on top of his game now and really enjoying himself in that wing back role, um, to get round the back and cause a damage, and then Grealish did a little fancy flick. Um, Maybe a little bit lucky with the assist. And, no, and I think he meant it. I think he meant it. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's so good. And uh, and then obviously target finish. So if, if you remember as well, straight after that goal, Amwar Al-Ghazi um, fired a free kick. Yeah, just a bit of a Ronaldo just, free just kick in, that was. Just inches over. And, you know, that, that would have been the 2-0 the sort of uh, dream start that they wanted. But anyway, look, they got the early goal 20 minutes, um, 12 minutes in. That's what they initially hoped for. They knew that Samata would um, tire eventually and that Keenan Davis would come on and, and hold the ball up and just bring others into play a bit more. Um, but I, sh- I thought they showed a bit more enterprise in the second half as well. They, they actually got forward and caused um, caused Leicester problems. Didn't just sit back. The possession stats were firmly in Leicester's favour. You know, I wrote that in the piece. Um, but Villa still were trying to get the job done and did in the end. Yeah, Leicester didn't do as much with that possession as you, you perhaps expect. It's all, it's all well and good having the ball, but I never felt in any massive danger. Obviously, Neil has made the three saves in the, in the first half. Second half in particular, I, I didn't feel that threatened by them. But let's just talk about Neyland a little bit. Do you think he would have played if Ryan had, hadn't got a little knock? In difficult one, Dean Smith says, I mean, you've got to go with what he says. Um, 
he said he was always he was always due to play. Whether that was because he was exceptional in the first leg, I think or he not. deserved it. I mean, he certainly deserved it, and he certainly showed his worth. Didn't he? he was man of the match in both games. So yeah, look, you know, it, he, of course he deserved it. It's, you know, it's fantastic, fair play to him because it's been such a stuttering start for for his you know time in England. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if Phil had gone to win this trophy, then they've got they've got him to thank because. Everybody was saying previously to the game, you know, Rainer will come in. He's he's the experienced head, but not, you know, Nolan's an international goalkeeper as well, and he's uh, that'll do him the world of good. In terms of shot stopping, he's up there, isn't he, with with the rest of the goalkeepers? I mean, we've got about seventy five goalkeepers at the club, but Nolan's shot stopping is phenomenal. That save from Madison, I think that goes down as one of the the better saves I've seen at Villa Park because I think he came through Ming, so he saw it late, yeah. and he, he managed to just divert it around the post. It's a massive save as well. And if you think back to the quarterfinals against Liverpool kids, early on in that game, oh, they put us yeah, under a little yeah. bit of pressure and Neyland got called into action a few times and made some impressive stops in that game as well. So across the quarterfinal and the two legs of the semi-final, he's come, he's come good in big moments for us. He has, yeah. yeah. The, the FA Cup, sem- um, the, sorry, the quarterfinal against Liverpool, he, he started that game really well. Uh, he's, probably made, he's probably made eight or nine important saves over the two legs. Um, the semi-final and he deserves his place at Wembley I think yeah you just kind of felt he isn't going to be beaten beaten tonight obviously he did get beaten in the end not much he could have done about that but pretty much everything that Leicester threw at him he he diverted and and he dealt with and I think it was a really impressive display from him and like you say for me he absolutely deserves to start the the cup final if you think back to 2010 when Villa had played Guzan as a cup keeper all the way through and then O'Neill bought Friedlin for the final I didn't agree with that at the time. I get that you should always play your best team, you're, you're in a cup final, but I think if someone's played the tournament the whole way through, you've got to stick him in in the final. You can't make that change. It's, I remember seeing an interview with Guzan and he was heartbroken and Neyland deserves it. He deserves to play, in my opinion. It was the same with Shay Given in the FA Cup, wasn't it, in 2015? Mm, yeah. Given ended up playing the whole, the whole way through and he kept his place for the final. What do you think with that? It's an interesting one. I, I I think he deserves his place, but at the end of the day, you've got to play your strongest team in, in a cup final. If Dean Smith thinks Pepe Reina's his best goalkeeper, I think he's got to go for that because what you've got to also remember is Nyland as well. As brilliant as he was against Leicester, he had a nightmare, didn't he, against Man City? Yeah, a couple Just, of goals were his fault. You know, if Man City do get through, I, I wouldn't like that to. If you know, if, I wouldn't like that to be Nyland's thoughts going into the game. Um, that he'd had a nightmare against them, and if there are any just slight, slight bit of self doubt, um, you know, it could, it could impact on the result. I, I would, I would. It's a tough call, isn't it? It's really difficult because you know I feel so. I feel like Nolan deserves it, but in five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years times or whatever, you know, we're, we're going to have forgot about Orjan Nolan, and and if Pepe Reina was the difference between Villa winning the League Cup, we won't be forgetting about that. I think what we've learned here is that. As a football manager, you'd be a lot more ruthless than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I seem to have a lot, a lot of sentiment. I think, as I say, I'd definitely go with Nealand. We touched on target a little bit. His link-up with Jack throughout the whole game was phenomenal down that left-hand side. We caused him a, a lot of problems. I mean, I think Perez was on the right for the most of the night for Leicester. I mean, he's not and the, the he best had, at tracking I mean, back. he had a nightmare, didn't he? Yeah, well, I he, can't even remember him doing anything. Yeah, he's a bit of... A, in the kindest way possible, a little bit of a luxury player on the wing. He's not one of those wingers that's going to do the dirty work, in my opinion. So Pereira did get attacked and, and aimed at yeah, and like, like you say yeah. yeah and he was left in a, in a little bit of trouble but target was good last week at Watford as well 
they're good mates, aren't they? After pitch targeting Grealish, you think that that makes a difference? Yeah, definitely. They've got you know this. They've got this on-field chemistry that you that you can clearly see. Yeah. Um, but you know, being friendly with each other and sort of having each other's backs that helps. You know, because you you, you put in that extra percent for your pal as well as your teammate. Um, they've got a really good connection going. Yeah, it's it's, it's great to see. And I, ju- I just think Target's better in that wing back role. Um, you know, his best games for Southampton came came when he was playing as the wing back. So yeah, agreed. Um, if, if you look at the if you look at the average positions of the players in the Leicester game, um, the two most forward players over the you know average of the of the ninety minutes were Grealish and Target. It's incredible, really. And you know Gilbert was sort of recognised as the more defensive minded fullback, um, and he was just pulling in and, and filling space and um, stopping Vardy and when he came on and Ian Acho in their track. So Target was basically given a free reign and he kind of almost expected um, a couple of chances to come down his side that the goal eventually did come from his side. Probably wasn't so much of a surprise because he was so good going forward. I mean, you know, th- he scored a goal and then he was he was just a, quite a little bit out of position for Iheanacho, but to be fair to Harvey Barnes, you know, he, he did the great work to, to set up that goal. But it's it's really exciting, actually, seeing Target going forward and I think that he can become a real powerful weapon in Villa's armoury now. Yeah, I noticed although Jack and him are a good match, Jack's not afraid to have a shout at him he's, he's feel like he's always shouting at target all the way through the game like if he makes a bad pass or some, does something Jack doesn't like I feel like Jack lets loose on him more than he would do on another player it's quite interesting to watch Samata then in from the start Villa had Keenan Davis back as well we've needed a striker for weeks <laughs> and, and then suddenly we, we buy one and another one becomes fit we, we could have <laughs> done with that a couple of weeks ago but just at the start of that game Samata he did a lovely little layoff with his chest the ball came into him and it was just like an effortless layoff and I thought right that's what we've been missing because although he wasn't heavily involved just having someone up there making runs it was really beneficial to the way we wanted to play and we did look more fluid yeah, it make, makes a big difference having an actual recognised striker, doesn't it? And the fact that you know Villa got two in, two back, and having not had one for four games was um, made a big difference. I, I thought Samat started well. He, he won his first aerial duel in the first couple of minutes, then controlled on in his chest to, to lay it off to El Ghazi, I think. Um, that got the whole end, you know, really behind him. They were sort of cheering every every initial early touch. Um, and he had a bit of a quiet period then, didn't he? Just sort yeah. of phased out of the game a little bit. But he was still making moves and, and, and the defenders, the Leicester defenders wouldn't have known much too much about him. So it would have been quite an interesting one and that would have allowed freedom for some of the other Villa players, which it clearly did. Um but yeah, he he had he had his moment, didn't he, in the second half where he where he definitely should have scored from just three yards out. He, you know, privately, I, I expect him to be quite disappointed. You know, today, yeah, um, he would have he would, that would have been a dream start for him, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, and immediately taking any pressure off uh, off him, you know, for for getting that first goal. But I think just the early signs were good. I think I think Villa have got an, a half decent player there. You know they're going to have to mould him a little bit, and he's going to need a little bit of time to get used to the surroundings. But with with Davis also available, that will help take the pressure off him because it won't, you know, all just be him. It won't all be the focus. He won't be the the sole focus. It won't be you have to score these amount of goals to keep us up. Yeah, yeah. You know the the onus is on Keenan Davis as well. So hopefully the two of them can share responsibilities between them. And still another day in the transfer window. Yeah, so the op- that's the opposite to what the position Wesley found himself in because Codger was out of favour. Davis just can't seem to stay fit. But 
a lot of pressure on Wesley, so that there's somewhat less pressure pressure on Sam a goal now, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> seen Wesley last night on his crutches. You know, I felt, yeah. I felt really sorry for him. Um, still struggling, and, and everyone was having to open doors for him and uh, you know move out the way for him. But yeah, it, it was a tough. It was a tough. Um, Settling in period for Wesley because coming in as wearing the number nine shirt as the record signing, Villa fans expected him to score goals straight away. He, he got a, he got a couple in the early doors, but then when he went for that barren spell, the, you know the yeah. pressure really was on him then. Um, with Sam goal, Samata, you know he's, he, the pressure isn't on him. Um, Villa are out of the relegation zone at the moment, so um, any contribution will be will be beneficial, I think. The Athletic Podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape, and all your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you, from our selection of 100 brands, including established names, up-and-coming designers, and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else. Try everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest, if only transfer windows were this simple. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. So get started now with Stitch Fix and support our podcast. Go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X.co.uk forward slash athletic. So let's talk a bit about Madison and Grealish, the, the debate there. Also, there's been this debate around the two of them, both fantastic players. I think they're very different. I think Madison's sometimes a bit more direct in terms of having shots from outside the penalty area. I, I'm obviously going to say it because I'm, I'm, I'm a Villa fan. I'm sat here as a Villa fan, but I think Grealish showed last night that he, he's a level above Madison. He's got to be in that England squad. Yeah. I know we talk about it every week, but he, <laughs> last night, nights like last night, will do him no harm whatsoever. No, of course, because you know everyone will be watching that game. It was a big game, and um, all the the relevant powers that be would, would have been watching that, and they would have seen how brilliant Grealish was. Um, he 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 is amazing. Let, let, I'm going to start with Madison because Grealish. Uh, I, you know, I love speaking about him, and I can go on forever. But don't we all? Ma- Madison. I want to see him in the England squad because I actually, I actually really like him, and I think I like his directness, as as you mentioned. And I think he could contribute to quite a few goals in the Euros. So I'd like to see him in the England squad. But Grealish has got to be in there as well, hundred um, percent. Every game I'm watching him now, he's just getting better and better. I mean, it's incredible. I'm finding myself just getting like excited watching him and having to tweet things when 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 he's when he's doing something wonderful, and I just like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a joy to watch, oh, isn't mate. he? He's just unbelievable. I do a roundup after every game. I do two or three tweets about about my thoughts after the game. And I think since October, I don't think one of those roundups hasn't included Jack because <laughs> he's just incredible. Like you say, just when you think he hasn't got another level to go up to or another gear to find, he, he finds it that that ball he put in for Samata. That's a that's a world class ball, and people associate him with his dribbling and how good he is with his close ball control and buying free kicks and things like that. But actually. His passing, it almost goes unnoticed, but the way a pass is always perfect. The style of passes is always perfect. He, he rarely gives the ball away now. 
Yeah, that's it. He's just got everything, hasn't he? Scoring goals, um, he's assisting goals. Those weighted passes are brilliant. Um, he's just the way he. <laughs> there was a funny little moment where he was a yard in front of the camber, and the camber basically had about five other options. And, and, and Grealish was literally one yard ahead of him and he just thought, oh, I'm going to pass it to Grealish because I know he's going to he's gonna do something special. And then he just whipped in a cross and it was a brilliant clearing header from Sionko and it just stopped, I think, Gilbert at the back post. I remember head, it, head, yeah, head yeah. Head. And, you know, and that, was just, you know, that was just one of the crosses that he put in. Um, he, he, he's, he's such a creative force now, isn't he? Um, I, used to, I used to rave about how he took the ball from... from um, areas in his own half and and ease the pressure on Villa and won fouls and um you know just just took the pressure off when Villa were, were feeling a bit of heat now it, it's the opposite he's you know we don't even think of him as a midfielder anymore do we? he's an attacker he, he's just a he's just a you know a threat. he's just a threat isn't he every time he gets the ball um you think this guy's going to do something he's honestly I, I'm I'm out of you know ways to describe him he's just he's that good now I knew he'd be good in the Premier League, but I didn't realise how good. Like he has just taken it to to a completely different level. And for me, he's not just a a must pick for England in terms of the squad. He's a must pick to be in the team now. There is absolutely yeah. nobody like him. My concern with that is that I think I think Southgate likes Mason Mount. I think Mason Mount possibly played more games for the under twenty ones, and Southgate likes them to come through that through that route. And Grealish has been away from the international setup now for a long time because obviously he's, he's twenty four, I think, at the moment. Jack is, and he's twenty four years of age, so a long time since he played any form of, of international football. But where do you rank the three of them then? Because I think maybe only one of the three will go because you've got Oxlade Chamberlain as well in there. So Deli Alli. yeah, Delhi Ali, <coughs> Southgate's picked many times before. So out of the three of them, Grealish, Madison, and Mount. What's the ranking there between the three of them? I mean, I know what you're going to say, but just confirm. In the it. order you said it, Greenwich, yeah. Madison, Mount. Yeah, that, that's that, that's my view. But Mount's played more I'll, England I'll, internationals. I'll be, I'll be honest, I, I haven't watched Ma- uh, Mason Mount as much as I've watched Grealish and Madison. So, you know, it, I might be um, slightly biased towards those two a little bit more. But um, I just think the, the only thing I would worry about Jack is. Um, because he hasn't been involved in that England setup and hasn't played with those players, it's just exactly where he would fit in and um, whether he would immediately get the chemistry with the players that you know that it will be in the team. I'm totally sure he will. Everyone and, loves him, though. Everyone he plays with loves him. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking those those intricate sort of partnerships on the field. You know, with these Villa players that he's got now, he knows exactly what he's got from them. As I say, I'm, sh- I'm sure he would settle in perfectly fine with you know a couple of training camps. I just think that because he hasn't actually played with them, he doesn't know sort of their ins and outs. Yeah, um, that that might that might you know that might not be an issue. That might just be a thing that he needs a couple of weeks with them at training camps, which he will get. Um, I mean, he's got to be in the squad for for the Italy game. That will give him a week or so with with the players, um, and then hopefully a game at Wembley to show what he can do. Um, and then you know, let, let's hope he can progress because I'd I'd love to be cheering on England with Grealish in the, in the team for the Euros. Yeah, and I, I genuinely do believe he would make a difference. Yeah, I think as well the the case that he might be better with better players. So at the moment with Villa, I mean, he has so much of the ball because, like you say, everyone just gives him the ball wherever he is. He, he wants the ball with England. You're obviously playing with superior players, people like people like Sterling who who want the ball as well. 
working with better players, I think, would again take him to a, to another level that you you don't even know he's got. I mean, sixteen goal contributions, I think he's got this season. He he's just phenomenal. And it, at some point, I hate to say it, we, we are going to lose him. We have just got to enjoy him while we've got him. Hopefully, Villa can stay up, possibly qualify for Europe, and we get another year out out of him. But he is just too good. He's too good, isn't he? Yeah, sad as it is to say, you know, he's he's an elite player now, isn't he? Yeah. He, you know, unless Aston Villa are going to be um, knocking on the door of the Wolves and the Leicesters, you know, in, in trying to break into that sort of top six or seven, then unfortunately he, he's just better than Aston Villa now. You know, and you just have to accept that at times. You know, Villa have seen that in the past with other players that have moved on Dwight York. You know, he, 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 was, he was probably too good for Villa at the time and, you know, went on to Man United and, and, and won all sorts of trophies with them. <laughs> you don't want to see Grealish lose. You don't want to talk about it like this, but you've got to be realistic and, and accept that, you know, he's a fantastic player now. Um, you know, some of the other examples of, some of the players playing for you know Manchester City now and and Arsenal when when they were brilliant, they they get picked off from these other Premier League teams. Um, and you know the point you say about the, the better players playing with better players, you know I firmly agree with you on that. I think with better players alongside him, he can then just pass the ball to them and they will make better decisions than the Villa players yeah. will. You know, with all due respect to the to those Villa teammates, um, you know, let, let, let's be honest. Sort of Ahmed Al Mohamed is no Raheem Sterling. He's a you know. I mean, he was Ahmed Al De Bruyne last night. That that cro- that cross that he put in was phenomenal, mate. To be fair, maybe yeah. that was a bad, uh, yeah, was. bad comparison picked, on this. You picked occasion. on the wrong man, didn't you? Poor Elmer, <laughs> whipping in the balls like he did last night. Should we talk a bit about Egypt? Because you know, it was a goal yeah. made in yeah. goal made in Egypt, yeah. wasn't it? Just just before you, you rush ahead, Greg, let's, let's just go back <laughs> Am a little I bit. In your yeah, yeah, you're all over the place here. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about about the uh, the equaliser because at the time I felt like Villa were in control and possibly likely to get a second just before Leicester scored, but that Maniganacha. I feel like he only ever scores against us. How many yeah, is that you've, now? you've said that a few times yeah. in previous pods, haven't you? Yeah, he's, I think that's three in the last three games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he yeah, scored yeah. a couple for Man City against us as well, I think. Yeah, he's got a little... I mean, the season we went down, to be fair, maybe you could have been playing and we might have scored <laughs> against us as well, but yeah, the point stands. He's so got a little hold over yeah, there, Yeah, certain he? players just saying, Robbie Fowler, man, that guy used to score every single time he set foot against Villa. Deeney we were talking about. Last week as well, Iganacho is one of them players, isn't he? We just, he popped up at the back stick, lovely ball from Harvey Barnes, like you say. What did you make of that goal? Because from Horsey's reaction, he, he didn't, didn't even know Iganacho was there. He, he just crept in at the back post and, and stuck it home. Yeah, it was Villa were adopting quite a deep line at that point. And um, I think they had seven men in the box, or at least sort of seven within you know a couple of yards of the box. Yeah. The target had just... Just lost his position slightly. He was just a bit more advanced, and that that allowed Ian Acho to just get round the back. I mean, I think you just got to credit Leicester for that. To yeah. be honest, it was a it was a brilliant run from Barnes. You know, we know he can do that. Very quiet on the night, but has that you know has the ability to produce those moments of magic. That's why he was in the starting lineup, um, and um, you know just just got the better of the Villa defence. Weaved his way in and 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 crossed it, and it was an easy finish in the end, wasn't it? I've got to say, I thought his movement was very good. Actually, I watched yeah. it, I watched it back this morning. The timing of the run was excellent because he actually managed to meet the ball at full pelt. So the timing of his run was was excellent. And and at that point, I'm starting to think, oh no, one because I'm nervous about penalties, the potential penalties. Two, I'm nervous that we we might end up undoing a great night's work and then end up losing. Obviously, Johnny Evans went really close at the end. That was a really good chance f- from the set play, but. The main thing I was worried about is if it went to penalties, we didn't seem to have many penalty takers on the pitch at, the, at that point. Jack was the only one you could hand on heart say, 
he's a proper pen taker. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Target would have took one. He, he would I have been confident. But there was, yeah. like, I imagine if Gilbert hadn't been absolutely shattered, Harahan would have come on and been a penalty taker. But obviously, we had to use the last sub. So there wasn't many penalty takers on the pitch. Do you know if we were prepared for that? If we were practicing or anything? Yeah, Villa had certainly prepared for penalties. Um I think Elmo would have taken one. Would he have? Yeah, I think that. I, I think have him down as a pen. I think he was. I think that was part of the thinking of him, of him going on. Oh, okay. To be honest, I th- yeah. I mean, it's a strange on the substitution because there Gilbert was, a, was knackered. Yeah, I mean, I thought Gilbert played really well, but he looked really tired. But then, um, I think he tweeted the the club, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheers, uh, admin. Yeah, and then and then did he delete it after? I, don't oh, know. Yeah. I saw it at the time. I but don't know yeah, whether he's been well, taken down. Anyway, since. I mean, clearly he thought he could still stay on, but you know, don't, I suppose all players do. He didn't know. look like he could to me the way he trudged off. <laughs> <laughs> he he made, just made a really big tackle in the middle of the park. He was like not a headless chicken. I don't know how else to phrase it, but like he found himself in the middle of the park running across and made a really great tackle. And then he looked like he was struggling to get up. He did just look shattered. Yeah, he did. He looked beat. To be fair, and, and to be fair, it was an inspired substitution, wasn't it? Yeah. Because. Elmo come on and, and set up the the winner, but um, yeah, Villa were prepared for they were prepared for penalties. Uh, the, the thoughts that were going through my head was where where they're going to take them in the in the Leicester end or the Villa end, you know, and whether that would benefit, um, you know, whether it would work in yeah. either of the team's favours. Um, I had a little think about Jed Steer as well. Where's yeah. he when you need him? And oh, we could we could have dragged him back out for the stair. <laughs> I'm presuming sure presuming sure he was there somewhere. That. Um, but I also thought, you know, Nyland, considering the brilliant game that he had, would have would have really fancied being the hero yeah. that night, wouldn't he? He'd, Madison he'd have wouldn't have fancied it. taking one against him the way the night had gone I to him so far. So no. But if you look, the only thing is, you look at that Leicester team that was remaining. Oh, they had a lot they of penalty takers. They had a lot of penalty takers. Oh, they didn't really. Iganacha, I mean, Madison, yeah. Tillemans. That's yeah, they it. were. They there's, were there's your five. They were full, they were full of them, weren't they? Casper Schmeichel was pretty handy at saving penalties if, yeah. I, if I recall as well. But. As and we he know, almost got you know, what is the major oh, mate, he's, he's up there, wasn't <laughs> it? Last minute, didn't he? As, as we know, he didn't go to penalties. Villa Park got to erupt in the 94th minute, I think it was. El Mohamedy whips in a Kevin De Bruyne esque cross, and Trezor guys at the, at the back stick to took it. Well, actually, a really good finish on his weaker foot as well, because he'd had a chance just before on his left foot mm. that he like kind of tamely rolled into Casper Schmeichel's arms. And now you're frustrated, you're thinking, oh, he's, he's got something about him, Trezor guy, but he's mm. quite hit and miss. Suddenly he's a hit because he's yeah. banging the ball in the bottom corner. Really, really good chance. A good chance. Obviously, it was a good chance. But he he made light work of of that cross and finished it very, very well. Yeah, I like Trezeguet. I think that I think he works really hard. And I think next season, if you know, if he sticks around at Villa, then we might see more from him. Um, it was always gonna. It was always gonna take him a while to get to get used to these new surroundings. I think that he is very hit and miss, as you say. But he, you know, he, he gives it some every time. He, you know, he's 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 really up for it, isn't he? Doesn't doesn't sort of give the defenders any time on the ball. Um, and yeah, that, that that Davis put him through for the one, didn't he? And then yeah. he, he uh, just sort of weakly um, shot at Shamichael. But I think when he hasn't got much time to think. He does better. There's a lot of footballers like that. I always yeah, thought, I always thought Gabby Bonlehor was a little bit like that. Derives for sale. Yeah, it's instinctive. Yeah. Isn't it? it's instinctive. I mean, um, uh, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, well, Thomas Hitzelsberger told us, didn't he? You know, last week you you can hear this on the on one of our other podcasts about Paul Merce, and he said that if he if he ever tried the thing if he ever thought about the things that he did he wouldn't have done them yeah and you know that's sometimes that's just you know how players work they're just they're instinctive and 
Trezeguet, it was a brilliant finish and fair play to him. You know, he's been waiting for a moment like that, hasn't he, to announce himself to the Villa uh, to the Villa fans. Um, and shout out to Lee Harrison who had him on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, seen, saw, I saw that. that on, yeah, uh, yeah. Twitter this morning. I mean, Trezeguet <laughs> will, uh, will go down in folklore now because you always remember those semi-final goals. I remember Sean Teal scoring against Tranmere. You always remember that those kind of moments. And then Villa obviously managed to hang on for another couple of minutes. Madison's had a, had a free kick, but we're there. Twenty twenty Villa at Wembley again. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? You know, the, it's a yearly thing now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting expensive. <laughs> What's that? I mean, it's, it's, that's five times in five years, yeah. isn't it? So it's, uh, yeah, you, look, you know, as I, as we said earlier, let's hope the experience of winning the playoff final will stand Villa in good stead. But there's a long way to go before then. There's, there's very, very, very important league fixtures before yep. them. And if truth be told, the league fixtures are more important. You know, Villa need to retain their Premier League status this season and build from that. If they can if they can get a League Cup win, that is just incredible. But we've seen the problems what happened at Birmingham City, you know, in years gone by. If you win the League Cup and you go down, it's it's not worth it, is it? Yeah, I think Wigan won the FA Cup as well, mm. didn't they? Against against Man City and and they ended up going down yeah. as well. But the one thing is I think the positive is that I think it's given us a lot of good feeling. That good atmosphere will now carry into the league fixtures with the fans. The fans will be buzzing singing about Wembley. I think there's a lot of goodwill now in the bank for, for, for this Villa team. And the, my biggest takeaway from last night was the last time we played, played Leicester at Villa Park, they took us to the cleaners 4-1. It, it possibly could have been more, really, couldn't it? That Tom Hayden was in pretty inspired form that day, considering he, he let him fall. But I feel like we're learning lessons now. And that's finally a win against one of the top six. Yeah. And that's what we just haven't had all season. So that, that'll that give the players the belief now. They know they can be these top Premier League sides. And I just think that's going to stand us in good stead ending the, coming into the second half of, of the Premier League season. So let's let's move on to the Bournemouth game now. They were on a terrible run, but they managed to beat Brighton last time out. We're two points ahead on 25, they're, they're on 23. It's another big game, isn't it? Like the Watford yeah. game last week. Yeah, huge. I think Villa's previous results against Burnley, Watford uh, and Brighton, just giving them a little bit of um, freedom, really. I think that they can go to that Bournemouth game now, knowing that it's not necessarily a must-win, whereas a week or two ago... It was a must-win, you know. Now I think it's a must-not-lose. Yeah, you want to keep the gap. I mean, it's only, it's only a small gap. Isn't yeah, it? Bournemouth win, they go ahead of you. You want to stay ahead of ahead of them and keep them keep exactly. them down beneath you. The, that's it. I mean, it looks more important, really, just to keep the other teams at bay and not let them win. Uh, okay, look, you know, obviously if they could win, then fantastic, you know. But it's away from home. Um, I fancy us again, Greg. Yeah, I do. I have to admit now, I'm starting to fancy Villa almost every game they're going into now, yeah. obviously, other than against the real big boys. But if you look at the results over the course of the season, they've done the business against the teams around them. Yeah. And and look, you know, how many games now? 25? 20, Put me on the spot 24, there, 24 games, I think, and, and they've got 25 points and they're out of the relegation zone. So, you know... They're they're on the way, aren't they? They're on yeah. the way to achieving what they wanted to achieve this season. Yeah, it feels like we're on on the up now. Whereas a month ago, it felt like we were on the way down a little bit. There's a bit of a negative atmosphere starting to starting to creep in. What's he going to do about Danny Drinkwater? Because he's been playing him when he's been available in the league game to try and get his match fitness up. But Louise and Nakambo, who we we both criticised previously on, on on other editions of the podcast. They looked the part last night as a as a partnership. I thought that's the best game those two have played together. You'd be loath to break that up now, surely, with drink water? I think so, yeah. I think the fact that Villa had a week off last week, um, 
if Dean Smith decides to keep the same team uh, at Bournemouth, it shouldn't be too much of a problem because yeah, long, long enough. Break. Yeah, they've had the rest and they're fit enough now. It's middle of the season, you know. They're at the peak sort of physical condition that they'll that they can be in now. You know, um, then they're not jaded because there's still plenty of time to go. Uh, all those yards that they put in in pre-season are now starting to pay dividends. Um, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't split them up if I was the manager. I, I, I'd stick with them. I think the two of them, as you say, we, we have criticised them in recent weeks and that was justified because they were giving away stupid, making stupid errors. Yeah. They've learned from their mistakes and you got to, you know, you got to, you got to highlight it when they, when they don't perform and praise them when they yeah. do. And, and, and they've, they were brilliant against Leicester um, and they've, they've learned from their mistakes and, you know they're an exciting pair now, aren't they? they? I think they're quite you know they're dynamic really between the two of them. Um, I actually enjoy watching Louise now. Yeah. Uh, whereas before I was a bit worried about him, and I think the canvas just more of a safer sort of a safer pair of hands there. Um, yeah, I'd stick with them. Drink water's an option. Uh, you know, I, that's that's what I'd do. I liked Louise last night actually because I felt he was quite understated. Like I didn't really notice him. But that's me. He said he kept things ticking over and he, he was doing his job well. So I liked that. Like you say, he's made a couple of errors. He's got caught on the ball a few times. That seems to be disappearing from, from his game a little bit, which which is obviously great for Aston Villa. Now, one of the big storylines going into the game on Saturday will obviously be the return of Tyro Mings to Dean Court. What do you make of that? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, actually. Uh, well, there we go. There's a story for you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be... No, he'll be looking forward to it. I think I presume he'll want to go back there and prove a point. Really, um, you know, I had three, three and a half seasons of injury hit there, yeah, um, and you know, probably didn't necessarily see eye to eye with Eddie Howe towards the end, and just got his move to Villa and has been brilliant. I mean, you've <laughs> seen him just getting carried off by the fans, you know, who, who, who absolutely adore him at Villa Park. I mean. He must feel like a king at Villa Park, mustn't he? You I know, think it's he is. just it's just gone. Everything's gone right for him there, and yeah, look, he's a quality player. He's an England player now, isn't he? So he'll go there with his head held high, um, and I expect him to 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 step up his performances. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be very respectful to the to the Bournemouth fan base. I mean, he comes across that way, but they they won't believe what's happened to him. Really, like you say, three and a half years of just spending the whole time on the treatment table, yet he comes to Villa and it just works. It's a bit of a, a weird one that they were probably quite happy to let him go. Villa really wanted him. Like a player hasn't played for three and a half years. They've got around £26 million for him. All in, I think that's that's around what they'll get. Like It's quite a strange scenario, really. And then he's gone on and played for England. The Bournemouth fans would never have said that he would have played for England, even this time last year, let's say. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been a really eventful journey for Mings because if you if you recall when he signed for Bournemouth, you know he was their record signing, so there were obviously really high hopes for him at that point, and they were they were potentially thinking this could be an England player in the future. If his development had continued as expected, he probably would have still been at the area that he is now anyway, playing for England yeah. because that was always the aim uh, and the potential that he had. He just had those injuries and. It would probably be very frustrating if you're a Bournemouth fan because you've seen the club spend quite a lot of money, invest quite a lot in him during the years and not really got anything in return. Okay, they got a, a big transfer fee for him. I mean, from but, their point of view, they've made a profit, support, haven't they? Massive yeah, profit. But, but if you're a supporter, what, why, why would you care? Do you know what I mean? You, you don't really think about the finances as a supporter, do you? You want to see the players playing well and unfortunately, they never really got to see me. No. But... 
fantastic for Aston Villa fans because that you know they're seeing the absolute best in him and um, yeah take him out of that team and Villa aren't the same. He, he's an absolute linchpin. He's, um, yeah. you know in, in this team he's he's, he's fantastic. He's the, he's the leader. Um, so yeah, you know he's a brilliant player, an England player now, and I'm, uh, I presume he'll be looking forward to going back there. Quick word on Eddie Howe because I think he's looked a bit a bit beaten down and downtrodden the, the, the last the last few weeks. That win will have done them the world of good, and they're coming off the off the back of that win now. I think their goalkeeper. I don't know whether you saw it. He had Ramsdale. He had, he had an excellent game last time out against Brighton. There's a piece actually about his development by Peter Rutzler in 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 the Athletic, and um, yeah. Villa could have been playing them at a really bad time. We thought it was a good time to play Leicester on on Tuesday night. Maybe now not not the best time to play Bournemouth. Eddie Howe a, a bit more buoyant, but he's kind of I kind of get the feeling he won't be there next season. Eddie Howe, the way mm. he's been talking a little bit. Mm, interesting. Not so sure on that. Pete 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 Rutzler's your man for that. I don't know too okay. much, but um, yeah, I, I remember looking at the result and thinking that's not great for Villa Bournemouth winning last week. But at the same time, it kept Brighton in there, didn't it? So yeah. there are so many permutations at the moment. But, but you know, but, but that that win would have done Bournemouth the world of good. They'll be uh, they'll be buoyant. Okay, they lost to Arsenal in the cup, but you know they're they're not bothered about that at the moment, are they? They no. they know that they need to stay up. It's so much more important for them to stay in the league than probably any other team at the moment, um, just because of their finances. You know, they if they go down, they they can't generate the revenue that other clubs can, um, and I think they'd struggle to get back. So yeah, it'd be difficult. It'd be, it'd be a tough game for Villa, but. Bournemouth had some injuries, haven't they? So yeah, all season. To be yeah, fair. it's been 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 tough for them. So you know, I expect Villa to give it a good go. Let's do it then, Greg. Your favourite section, the interrogation section. It's transfer time. Dead, deadline day is approaching. Give us the latest. Yeah, so James Chester, we expect him to leave to, for Stoke, which is... This is awful news, by the way, for Mars. <laughs> Devastated on the way there. No, it's a shame, it's a shame. But, you know, Villa fans obviously love James Chester and um, you know, he's very well liked in the club as well. But he, he's got to think now, he's towards the end of it. He's, he's got six months left on his deal. OK, he's got another year option, but at the moment it doesn't look like he's going to get that. Is that an option his side or the club side? The club side, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's purely down to the club to decide whether they activate that. Um, for someone who hasn't played a single minute in the Premier League this season, it would be hard to see why they would activate that, to be honest. But, you know... Stranger things have happened for for Chester. It's all about himself now. He's had a he's had a difficult period, a, an injury hit period. The Euros are coming up. He wants to be playing for Wales, so he's got to go out and get first team football. And Stoke City are prepared to offer that. Um, you know, it'd be a relatively cheap deal for for Stoke, and um, you know, hope hope Chester gets gets the games that he needs and and. Villa, Villa feel a little bit of a duty of care for him because yeah, I, from that side it's good a human side. Yeah, I mean you know, but uh, the, the the powers that be at Villa certainly recognise what what he did for the club. You know, he played, <coughs> excuse me, played um, <coughs> through injury when he was the only recognised centre half and really put his career on the line. To be fair, so. Fair play to him for doing that. Fair play to him for sticking around. Uh, but yeah, he's got to think about himself now. I mean, I'm fighting you here like like you've got a decision to make, like it's anything to do with you. But he's on the bench at the moment. We're playing with three centre-backs. Surely he's not going if we don't source a replacement. Potentially, but there's obviously Bjorn Engels there as well. You need more than... If you're playing three centre-backs, you need more than four centre-backs at the club, surely. But 
But the thing is, if that if one of those centre backs is removed from the team, they might not play three centre backs. Bjorn okay. Engels, Bjorn Engels has never really played as a three. You know, he he's more suited to playing in a two. So that's even more reason to keep Chester surely because he has played in a three at Hull. Yeah, good point. As I say, I'm fighting you here. It's nothing to do with you. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm gutted. They might have somebody lined up. You know, as far as I'm aware, at this point there isn't. There isn't. But um, you know, they'll they'll be prepared to wait until the summer. But we shall see. You know, you got to trust. I suppose Dean Smith at this time. So you think that's the last we'll ever see of James Chester in a Villa shirt? Mm, think so. Yes. Devastation. Not happy. I was elated coming to this podcast, and you've broke my heart. To be honest, Greg. Scott Hogan outgoing as well. He's kind of been sublet, hasn't he? Which I don't think is a great position to be in for a footballer, to be sublet out. Especially to be sublet out to your, your team's local rivals. Such high hopes for Scott Hogan when he came. I mean, Bruce was pretty much begging for Villa to spend the extra money and get Scott Hogan in, from what I hear. It hasn't worked out. I don't know whether you've seen the pictures of his unveiling. The guy looks heartbroken and devastated to be rocking up at St Andrews. I mean, as you would be. Obviously, it's a Villa podcast. I'd be heartbroken rocking up there, but... He looks so sad. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures like that, aren't there? It wasn't a, uh, wasn't a, um, uh, a generous picture of him. Let's <laughs> be. <laughs> let's <laughs> be. Not say. Let's do that again, Scott. <laughs> that hasn't come out in the best of light. Let's take another one. I feel a bit for Hogan, to be honest. I'd like to see him turn his career around. I hope that he gets. Um, I hope he gets it back on track because uh, you know he, every time I've interviewed him, he's come across a very confident player, but just just doesn't quite work for him in recent times. I think. Good, good business from Villa's point of view. They refused to call him back. You know, they they made sure that they had another team lined up before yeah. um, he came back from Stoke. So good, good business there. You know, they, they've been burnt in the past. Spent a lot of money on Hogan as well. So, um, you know, that's uh, fa- fair play to them in that respect. But yeah, it's they're going. He's going into a struggling team, so it's going to be difficult for him. About twenty-five million, I think, around about nearly thirty million. We would have spent on Hogan and McCormack that summer. It's not cheap, is it? Especially for a side that was in the championship at the time. I feel like you're skirting around the issue a little bit, Greg, but let's have some incomings. Give me some good news. Still after a striker, Slimani a possibility. He wants to leave, you know, he wants to go for Monaco. Um, Any truth in him th- to Man U? I've seen that mooted. Yeah, been linked, well, he's been linked with Tottenham as well. I think it's. Um, I think he's just desperate to get out. He wants to come back to the Premier League. Um, probably the worst thing that happened to Villa, to be honest, was uh, after Wesley got injured, was Harry Kane getting injured because doesn't help. You know, Tottenham are. Top, Villa, are, Villa are looking for a striker in the same sort of similar market as Tottenham are and if you're a striker you're, you're always going to prefer a move to Tottenham over Villa unfortunately at this at this stage so it's a difficult one Giroud's still floating around um, led to believe that he won't be coming to Villa but Tottenham are trying to get him I know you're going to ask me about him No I wasn't but as, as you're on it I mean the only thing that could soften the blow of Chester leaving for me now is Benteke coming coming back. <laughs> That's the only thing that can make me feel a little little bit better. Right, Dan, listen to me on this one. Not coming. He's his wages are very big. Yep. Villa don't want to break their wage structure at the moment. They haven't got many players on massive, massive money. So for them to get him they would have to they would have to pay serious money for him in terms of wages. Okay. And Crystal Palace don't want to let him go. But he's not gonna get game at Palace, is he? They've got Tosin on loan. He's done okay since he's come in. I actually but, saw him the other day around. As I've said, stranger things have happened. Yeah, well, you always leave me <laughs> I'm covering hang, myself. You here. leave me hanging on a little <laughs> bit just, just, in case it, just in case it might happen. Yeah, as I say, that's the only thing I think that can make me feel better about Chester, the, re- the return of a former hero. Right, we'll finish as always with the Villa Vault. Greg's got one for us this week, and it kind of works on two levels, doesn't it, Greg? 
Yeah, a bit of a blast from the past, not so long ago. Um, with Villa getting to the League Cup final, it reminded me of Tim Sherwood, the last manager to take Villa to a major cup final. Um, now, when Sherwood was the Villa manager, we had some very entertaining press conferences. Um, we did. There were some uh, some strange ones too, but one that always sticks in my mind is a game at Leicester. I think Villa went 2-0 up and lost 3-2. Yeah, we did Grealish and Hill. Yes, and I remember a TV reporter asking Tim Tim Sherwood just a very simple question. You know, it was ju- it was just you know, sort of how are you feeling after that game? You know, can you sum up your emotions? It's usually a, a softly, softly way to to open managers up. And um, and then <laughs> Sherwood's reply was, "I've never ever I've never felt this bad ever." And I just thought, and I just thought, wow. I mean, um, what what a response that that must be. What what the hell has happened just there? I mean, it was a bit of a throwaway, let's be honest. But for him to for him to come out with that, I just thought (laughs) that's just, you know, that's just crazy. But yeah, anyway, Tim Sherwood. It was just a a quick little memory of him. Hasn't managed really since. Uh, hasn't managed. No, no, he was since a he director left. of football at Swindon, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, hasn't, well. hasn't managed since he left uh, Villa. But took Villa to an FA Cup final and kept him up. So the Villa vaults on you today, Tim. Yeah, another interesting one actually. Just talking talking about that. Tim Sherwood obviously we beat Liverpool in the semi final of the FA Cup that season, and Brendan Rodgers was the, was the Liverpool manager at the time. And that was the last time he'd lost a domestic cup game. Obviously, he's had the run of Scotland with Celtic, but that was actually the last two teams that have beat Brendan Rodgers in domestic cups. Aston Villa, so that's another a nice little one as well. We've got a little bit of a hold over Brendan. So with the Villa Vault, we'd like to get the Athletic listeners a bit more involved. So if you can, if you've got anything you'd like us to discuss from Villa history, it could be literally anything, an old shirt, a pair of boots that you had signed by someone, literally anything about Aston Villa Football Club, because Greg and I are actually quite young, so we haven't got the historical knowledge that some people who are listening might have so yeah, any interesting stories that you'd like us to research and talk about then let's get you involved let's get your thoughts and get you involved in in the villa vault because greg and myself just coming up with them each week it's probably a bit more current than some listeners would, would perhaps want so let, let's try and get people who are listening involved send them into us on twitter and we'll read the best ones out so greg i think that'll do us for this week thanks ever so much for joining me That's, so nice to be positive and have have something great to talk about. Villa, Villa getting to a final. We haven't won anything since 1996, and I'm just so desperate to see us get some success and to see us lift a trophy again. It's been a really, really enjoyable podcast, so thanks very much. Yep, you're welcome, Dan. Remember, for ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code VILLAPOD. Thanks ever so much for listening. Watch out for our Thomas Hitzelsberger special beginning next week. It's a three-parter up the Villa. 